Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of The Issue Podcast. Make sure to check us out three days a week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you guys get your podcasts. Uh, Make sure you follow our social media. Our Instagram is at the underscore issue podcast, and our Twitter is just at the issue podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you tell your friends and listen to The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is the issue. It is Monday, November 30th, last day of November. We're about to get into December tomorrow. Uh, Absolutely crazy. We did take a little bit of a break uh, for the holiday. Um, You guys haven't had any episodes in a while. We apologize for that, but you know, family was in from out of town. It's it's Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. And for those hunters out there, opening day was on Saturday, depending on where you hunt. Um, Other places... are places even still doing Monday as opening day anymore? I don't even, I don't think so. I know in, in Pennsylvania, at least, Saturday. It's the first Saturday after Thanksgiving. But if you haven't noticed, Tim is finally back in the oh, studio. It's glorious, uh, people. It's glorious. Yeah. Finally getting back to the in-person uh, podcast and pretty excited about it. Definitely a more quality show. And uh, we have a lot of stuff to get to you guys today. We're going to start with our Sunday thoughts um, get into our Monday predictions and our Wednesday predictions, and then uh, oh yeah, because the uh, Steelers game got moved to Wednesday. Now we're going to also yeah. get into our thoughts about that and the whole messed up NFL COVID situation. Um, then a little bit of college football. It was, it was a pretty good weekend of college football. Mm-hmm. Weekend that I uh, had some 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 scratch on that didn't end up working out, and uh, just just a, such a good weekend competition wise. Yeah. So yeah, we're just going to get into a little bit of everything today. Yep, and then after that, we'll be able to uh, to discuss the NFL a little bit. I know we wanted to do that at the end of the episode. A couple of the NFL decisions that they've been making recently have not been sitting well with not just Pittsburgh people, but people all across uh, the United States. And, oh, and well, I mean, people in Denver, people in San Francisco, they're probably right. a little bit upset, too. Right. Uh, so we will get to all that later, but we will start with our Sunday thoughts. So if you want to find a game, where do you want to start? Oh, all right. I mean... Let's see here. Let's hit the NFL tab. All right. Here we go. Um, All right. Let's go with. Uh, hmm. Well, well did we did, we didn't discuss the uh, the uh, Thanksgiving games, did we? No, we did not. All right. Then let's discuss that. Let's go start with Texans Lions. That was the first game that was played. First game we're going to talk about here. First, can I just? Uh, I'm going to start this by saying the games on Thanksgiving were just absolutely horrendous. Oh, they were so bad. So bad. With them taking away Pittsburgh and Baltimore, it just really took away from, you know, the the good football of the day. Because uh, these first two games were terrible, and they turned out to be the only two games. Uh, so Texans-Lions, Texans over the Lions, 41-25. Um, what do you think? Whether the Lions were bad, and I think that clearly their owner thought they were bad too, because they fired the coach and the GM right after, Matt yep. Patricia is out as the Lions head coach, and I think Bob Quinn was the general manager. He's out as well. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a move that was necessary. And let me explain to you a little bit why I think that. I thought when they drafted Jeff Okuda, I thought it was, you know, Jeff Okuda is a talented player. I get it. You need a DB. It's it's a place of need, so why not draft it? Well, I'll tell you why not, because that franchise is going down a path of nothingness, and you need something that's going to spark the franchise. You need a Joe Burrow. You need a Tua Tagovailoa. 
uh, and they, they didn't obviously draft either of those players. Obviously, Joe Burrow was gone, but Tua was on the board. Justin Herbert yeah. was on the board. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know they have Matt Stafford, and we I like Matt Stafford. I think he's a good quarterback. But I think they needed a spark, and I'm not sure that Jeff Okuda was the spark. I thought it was a bad draft for the Lions, and I thought Matt Patricia, look, he's he has like a 25% winning percentage as a, as a head coach. Like, not Look, exactly I like Matt Patricia. I think he's a good defensive coordinator. But at the end of the day, you're a head coach. you got to win football games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what I took away from this game is that Deshaun Watson is one of the most elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, 17 for 25, 318 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, 150.4 QBR. Yes, 150. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. And I thought I thought Will Fuller actually looked like like really good. You know, I always said that he's more of a high end two and a, and a low end one. He looks like a high-end one. The only issue is they will be without their high-end one for the next six games, although they only have five left. Uh, he got suspended six games for performance-enhancing, violating the NFL's performance-enhancing substance policy. That's actually going to carry over. He's a free agent this this coming summer. Yeah, A lot of people think he is going to go elsewhere, even if he does resign. Um, he actually carries over a game in the next season, so we'll see if that affects anything. I mean, if we see that... A B has been picked up, and he was suspended for how many games? Like eight. Yeah, but like, A B is like one of the most talented receivers like ever. Right, but I'm just saying, there's going to be somebody who needs a, a receiver, and somebody who'll pick him up. I I would assume. Um, but I mean, story of that game: Lions just are really bad, and, and Deshaun I, Watson's just really, really good. Yeah. Um, let's move into a Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. The other game from Thanksgiving. All right. All right. All right. I want to start on this one. Can we please just accept the fact that the the Cowboys need to blow this thing up and just start over? They, they and I'm to. not talking just coaching staff. Zeke got to go. He's got to go. They're paying him way too much money. He's the highest paid back in the league right now, and he's playing like the 13th to 17th best back. 10 for 32 yards and a fumble. Just averaging, didn't look explosive at all. Averaging 3.2 yards a carry, not getting in the end zone at all, fumbling the ball. I mean, this is his – this year he has the most fumbles out of his entire career. I think he has five or six on the season already. Yeah, I, it's just – look, and, and I think the story of this game was the running backs because then you flip to the other side and you're looking at a guy by the name of Antonio Gibson who I think was either undrafted or a very late-round draft pick out of Memphis. Mm-hmm to the Washington football team, and he's been a stud. 11 touchdowns yep. to Zeke's, let's go, five. <laughs> and Zeke's touched the ball 181 times on the ground. Uh, Gibson only 139, and Gibson has 645 yards. Zeke has, let's see here, I think 707. Yeah, 707. So a negligible difference. With far less carries, more touchdowns, more better out of the backfield, way better out of the backfield. And so I think uh, th- this shows that, look, running back, you could get him anywhere. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I'm sorry. Other than Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and maybe Derrick Henry, and Saquon Barkley when he's healthy, I think pretty much every other running back is movable. Look, I like yeah. Nick Chubb, but I'd, I'd move off Nick Chubb. If the price wasn't right, I'd move right off Nick Chubb. Yeah, I would say there's like those three or four guys in the league that you just wouldn't wouldn't move off of that are just like staple guys to the offense obviously c-mac you know those type of guys but i mean you're right i don't know if i would move off chubb chubb is really 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 good good, but i just think 
look, when he was out, Kareem Hunt was a beast. That's true. I mean, it depends who you have as your number two. Yeah, I, yeah, you're not wrong. But, I mean, could you imagine the Titans without Derrick Henry? It, it, they're not the same team. Not even close to the being. No, I would team. pay him Zeke money. Zeke's making number one money. I'd pay him Zeke money. I would pay Dalvin Cook Zeke money, too. I would definitely pay Dalvin Cook Zeke money. And it's not even the fact that I think, oh, I think he's going forward long term. No, no, I'm only going to pay him for three or four years Zeke money. But I will pay him top dollar for that time because yeah. he's so valuable to the team. Absolutely. But, you know, whatever. So, Speaking of Derrick yeah. Henry, just move into that game next. That was actually on Sunday. We're moving into the Sunday games now. Yes. So the Titans, oh. Titans and the Colts. Titans come out 45-26 over Indianapolis. This was Take the lead in the division as well. I'm kind of glad we took Friday off uh, because if we would have predicted this, I would have taken Indianapolis with how they've looked so far. I would have taken Indy. Um, yeah, I, I probably would have taken Indy too. But... I mean, Tannehill looked good, 13 for 22. Didn't exactly throw the ball a ton, but that's kind of what you're looking for if you're the Titans. Um, just kind of give it to Derrick Henry and let him eat, and he did. 27 rushes on, for 178 yards, averaging 6.6 a carry for three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. I think that's the recipe if you're if you're the Titans. Look, run the football. Why wouldn't you run the football? Yeah. I, if you're not going to utilize your main horse, what, you know. But uh, they did. And he went off. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, like I was saying, 13 for 22, 221 yards, one touchdown, no picks, 108 QBR. Flip it over to the other side. Phillip Rivers had a bad day, 24 for 42, uh, 295 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and an 85 QBR. I thought the story was we were talking about running backs a lot today, which is weird because we're mostly quarterback-centric, yes. you know. Uh, I thought the story was no, no Jonathan Taylor. Mm. He was, I think, on the COVID list. I think, I think that's why he did not play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Naeem Hines just didn't get the job done. No. Simple as that. Ten for twenty nine. Uh, Ten carries, twenty nine yards. The whole team in general didn't even average three yards a carry. Twenty one for fifty six. Mm-hmm. It just simply wasn't good enough. And yeah. that I think that if you have to drop Philip Rivers back forty two times, you're not going to be all that successful. Right. Um, especially aging like he is i feel like early in his career yeah that's fine but not now not now yeah yeah i agree especially tennessee they actually had the pass rush going a little bit the sack numbers didn't uh translate all that much they only had two sacks but i thought that they just were getting consistent pressure Mm -hmm. just enough to bother rivers because look they were able to just pin their ears back and say we don't have to worry about the run no and so they just got after him yeah um, so where do you want to go next? Let's go ooh, Let's go L.A. at Buffalo. The, okay. the Los Angeles Chargers at Buffalo, a game that I would have stayed away from on the betting lines. Um, and good thing you did, because I probably would have taken L.A. I would have taken L.A. to cover, at least, you know? I would have taken L.A. because I, like, I love Justin Herbert. Uh, he oh, he's going to be such a star. Yeah, he didn't look all that great in this game. I, I just thought, again, dropping back 52 times. Yeah. Uh, and that's just because they couldn't get their run game going. You give a, you add a good running back into this team and take a little bit of the pressure off of Herbert, and this is a, I'd say, Super Bowl contending team if you could add a running back. Definitely, definitely a top four team in the AFC, which is actually saying something because the AFC, I think, right now is the deepest, the deeper conference. You know, you got the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Ravens are still a good team. Like we're ready to write them off. They're still a good team. Absolutely. Um, even the Raiders are a good team. They got trounced, but they're still a good team. The Bills, the Dolphins are coming out of nowhere this year. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. the Colts, the Titans, it's a really deep, uh, deep AFC. And I think 
with a run game. And we're going to get into this. One of my, I want to have a little bit of a rant slash discussion with you about coaching because I saw a lot of coaching issues this weekend. Yeah. Uh, from numerous coaches, one being Anthony Lynn, and it was just a very poor job of coaching and mm-hmm. how I think the Chargers should should go forward with with this. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty boring game to be honest with you. Yeah, neither kind of low scoring. Neither, neither quarterback, quarterback stood out. Yeah, Josh Allen didn't look all that great. Justin Herbert didn't look all that great. Uh, Josh Allen didn't even throw that many passes. Eighteen for twenty four, hundred fifty seven yards, under two hundred yards. Um, I think that's his only game this year under two hundred yards. I think it is. Um, one touchdown, one pick, eighty eight QBR. I don't know. Uh, just not that exciting. Bills win 27-17, and let's move on. Yeah. Um, All right. uh, how about... Let's go Raiders-Falcons. Yeah, we did talk about the Raiders. They got absolutely trounced. Yeah. It was it was to the point where actually Nate Peterman got in the game. And uh, that's that's saying something when you put in... Yeah, he didn't throw any picks though. So hey, look at look at my guy Nate Peterman <laughs> on five attempts, no there picks. There we go. He's leveling on up in the world. Uh, I thought the story <laughs> on the offensive side of the football for the Raiders was they had no running game, uh, and they didn't really try to establish a running game. Only fourteen carries for forty yards. That's very non Gruden like. I know they fell down kind of early, but uh, not that much early. You know, it was still six nothing after the first quarter. Look, Derek, you, know, you could still run the football down six nothing. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. But he's not the type of quarterback that can lead you back and just give him the ball the entire time. He's not a Mahomes or a Brady type guy where if you're down late in the game or you're down at any point in the game, you just feed him the football and let him make the throws because they can. But Derek Carr, he's not at that level yet. That's what they tried to get him to do. Uh, They didn't really rely on their running game. They didn't stick to what they have done. Usually the, the recipe for the Raiders... Give it to Josh Jacobs, let him run, let him break down the defense a little bit, and then sit back and let Derek Carr make the easy throws. Well, yeah, and I think I think this week, more than anything, this weekend here taught me, I said coaching, taught me the importance of coaching. Look, Raheem Morris, who's a descendant of John Gruden, worked with John Gruden uh, at one point in his career. I, I don't really remember where. I just I actually heard that somewhere. Uh, it looked like he just knew exactly how to stop a John Gruden offense. Yeah. And, I mean, look. It's not like Atlanta was incredibly special on offense. Only 304 total yards. Mm-hmm. But the time of possession was crucial. Atlanta with uh, almost 35 minutes of time of possession. The Raiders with just over 25. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to get the job done. No. And then, obviously, you got a turnover. So, oh, God. Good Lord. Four fumbles lost on the day for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, only one interception uh, for, off of Matt Ryan's. And there, so the Raiders had five turnovers to the Atlanta Falcons, only one, and I think one or two of them got returned for a touchdown. One did. I know one did, um, but Matt Ryan didn't look all that special. I don't know, just a really, just another really boring game. It was it, it was boring because of the blowout. If you're a, if you're a uh, Falcons fan, it was wildly entertaining. Well, yeah, but I just thought you know the Raiders weren't playing good. The Falcons weren't even playing that good. I mean, their defense was was humming. Yes, but from a coverage standpoint, like covering this game, like we do and going through, is a very boring game to look back on. I mean, there's not much to say. Look, turnovers. Vegas was bad. Turnovers. Atlanta played good. Coaching, there's coaching mismatch. It's weird because John Gruden isn't usually on that end of the stick when it comes to a coaching mismatch. So, uh, strange to see. Forty-three-six Falcons win. Yeah, here let's go to. 
another game that I do want to talk about a little bit more later, which was, oh, the, the biggest coaching mismatch of the weekend, Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals losing to the Patriots 20-17. to Yeah. Bill Belichick put on a master performance considering that his team only had look, – I mean, look, let's look at the stats here, okay? So let's start with the big ones, right? Time of possession. Arizona, 34 minutes, 8 seconds. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, 25 minutes, 52 seconds. So that's not a classic Bill Belichick game because he usually owns a time of possession. So you're thinking, huh, probably usually doesn't win that game. And then go, so, okay, well, then their offense must have been humming, no? Uh, well, actually, no, the Cardinals had 300 total yards, and, well, the Patriots didn't even have 180. They had 179 total yards. Yeah. Yards per play were down. And then you look at passing. Well, Cam Newton only had 70 passing yards, and Kyler had 160. Well, how about rushing? Oh, the Patriots always run the football well. Well, they only had 110, and Arizona had 138. Mm-hmm. And then you look at turnovers. Well, I mean, Arizona only had one. New England had two. So how how is it possible that, that this game was won by the New England Patriots? They lost in every meaningful stat category. Time of possession, total plays, total yards, passing yards, rushing yards. Red zone efficiency was about the same. Turnovers were, were on the side of Atlanta, or not Atlanta, Arizona. Like, how, how is it possible that Arizona lost his football game? Well, I'll tell you how. It was the coaching. Coaching. It was bad. We're gonna, I'm going to get into specifics of why I think it, but um, if I was the general manager of, of Arizona, I would be taking a really, really long, hard look at this game and reflecting on the coach that I have chosen to lead my franchise. And I know it's hard to react over, uh, overreact here over one game against Bill Belichick on the road. But Cliff Kingsbury had a losing record in college with Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. and he was five and eleven last year. And if it wasn't for a, a prayer, hail mary, they'd be five and six right now instead of six and five. They'd be a losing football team, right? So I think you need to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror here and say, I am not sure here. It's definitely something to be talked about. Um, like you said, you don't want to overreact it's just because of the one game against, against the best coach in the history of football, probably. Right. So you don't want to overreact, but at the same time, if you are looking to be a dominant franchise within the next four to five years, which I think would which, be their goal with Kyler. Well, I think I, I would actually counter that that within the next two to three because his rookie deal, they're going to have to pay him either after, probably after next year. Okay. So their window is, because if you look at the last however many Super Bowl, I mean, just Google, just just out of curiosity right now, let's Google, you know, it's the last 10 Super Bowls. Just looking it up right now. Typing. There you go. Yeah, I just, I'm just <laughs> going to look it up. Okay, so let's see here. Okay, these are the Super Bowl champions. Okay. Do you have the actual games? Let's see. Yes, here we go. I think I think these are the games here. All right, yeah. So, well, those are all the Super Bowls ever. We don't need all that. Okay, let's look. Last year, Mahomes on a rookie deal. How about the year before? Tom Brady, obviously not on a rookie deal, but taking a team-friendly deal versus Jared Goff, who was on a rookie deal. Well, how about Philadelphia? Carson Wentz on a rookie deal. He wasn't the quarterback, but 
on a rookie deal, which allows the rest of the roster to be deeper mm-hmm. against New England, obviously. Tom Brady, another team-friendly deal. And then, you know, New England, Atlanta, that's kind of an outlier. Um, Denver and Carolina kind of. But, okay, then you get to Seattle and, and uh, New England. Well, Russell Wilson on a deal. And then let's go, how about Seattle and Denver? Russell Wilson on a deal. And then you look at, oh, Baltimore and San Fran. Joe Flacco wasn't making huge money. And Colin Kaepernick was on a deal. And then let's go, how about the Giants? Well, Eli Manning was never making the most money in the league. He was always an average salary-wise quarterback against Tom Brady, who takes team-friendly deals. So it's, it's a trend. You can't go – You rarely do you go to a Super Bowl and win it with the highest-paid quarterback. And Kyler, so far, I would – you have to make him at least a top-five quarterback pay-wise. Right. Probably maybe top seven at the least. He's going to be making $35 million a year. Mm-hmm. And I think you're crazy to not pay him. But at the same time, you have to know, look, our window's now. Yeah. Our, our window to win is now. Right. Um. So you I, can't be, you can't be putzing around here. That's one of the things they need to start looking into that coaching. But uh, we'll get to that more of that later. Um, yep. All right, let's go here. Oh, an, an impressive game here all around. Uh, two storylines here that I want to get to: uh, Carolina at Minnesota. Minnesota wins. Carolina continues their little skid there uh, in that division. By the way, still looking good. Saints on top, then Bucks, then Atlanta, then Carolina, which is exactly what we predicted. There we go. But, uh, like I said, two storylines. How about that? Uh, the, the safety. It was Jeremy Chin, I think his name is, for the uh, for the Panthers, scored two touchdowns in 18 seconds yes. as a safety. Back-to-back. On yeah. back-to-back plays. Back-to-back plays. Um, that was crazy. That second one was awesome. He took the ball just right out of his hands. Oh, yeah. You, just, like, you see a big pile, and yeah. then he just, like, you just see a guy a guy start running towards the end zone. Like, Does <laughs> yeah. he have the ball? Yeah. Like, what, what's going on here? Uh, when they showed that replay, I was like, no way. No way he actually pulled this off and went two for two. Uh, he did. Yeah, he, he did. did. Uh, it was clean. It was legal. and uh, It was pretty sweet, I got to say. Yeah. But uh, the only other story there is, what's his name here? Let's get his name right. Uh, what, Kirk Cousins Ch- looking amazing? Yes, he did. But I always predict that. Chad Beebe, Chad the receiver Beebe. who caught the game-winning touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings, he muffed a punt to allow the Panthers to take the lead. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back, puts his head down, and says, nope, I'm not, I'm not letting that define me. Works, works, works. Redeemed himself. Game-winning touchdown catch. Redeems himself. It was uh, beautiful to watch. It yeah, it was really Beautiful cool. to watch. It was awesome. It was really cool. And the guy throwing that uh, game-winning touchdown pass, Kirk Cousins, 34 for 45, 307 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 116 QBR. I mean, I kind of called it. You know, if he could, like, do this consistently, though, I mean, he'd be really He started good. to play really, really well, though, because he started yeah. the year, I think he was, like, I, I want to say he was, like, 13 touchdowns, 10 picks, something like that. He's 23 touchdowns, 11 picks now. So, you know, he's he's starting to play pretty well. I mean, he's 23 working. touchdowns, 11 picks, that's not terrible. Yeah, he's working his way back. Yeah, he is. I, I, I'm really impressed. And uh, where do you want to go next? Hmm. Let's go giants Bengals. I was thinking that because here, I put a little scratch on this game, right? I thought this was an easy cover for the Giants, and I think it would have been had Colt McCoy not had to come into this football game. Daniel Jones, I think, tweaked his hamstring? Okay, yeah. He avoids a major injury, though. Will most likely suit up uh, against the Seahawks. 
Look, they uh, they were minus five and a half. I figured they'd cover that easily. You know, who who started for the Bengals? Oh, Brandon Allen, not a good quarterback, really not. Seventeen for twenty nine, hundred thirty six yards, one touchdown, one pick, sixty eight QBR. You know, I, I figured that the Bengals wouldn't score a lot, and actually they didn't. They only scored one offensive touchdown. They had a return for the other touchdown. Mm-hmm. So a fluke play lost me money, and a fluke injury lost me money. Well, that just hurts. That yeah, just hurts. That, that hurts a lot. But then you have to think, if Joe Burrow is in this game, totally different football game. Bengals win that. Oh, the Bengals win that football game easy. But For sure. if Joe Burrow's in the football game, I'd probably pick the Bengals anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a lot to say here. Just, they're missing them. Look, the Bengals are bad, and the Giants, without Daniel Jones, are actually surprisingly bad. And I think Daniel Jones might, you know, he's, he's, wor- he's getting brownie points by actually not being on the field. By seeing what the alternative would be, it's almost, the, I mean, me personally, if I was on that coaching staff, I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, like, he's our guy because without him, like, we're really, really bad. Yeah. I mean, like, they're already not good with him, but they're still, like, a viably, a viable, like, average team. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? And yeah. when they get Saquon back. When they get Saquon back, they're going to be like good. Like, next year, they, they could be, I'm not saying good, but. They could win the NFC East. They could be an eight and eight win the NFC East type of team. Well, I mean, if they were if they had Saquon this year, they would almost be lock up the NFC East oh, right now. Yeah. Um, but Giants right. win nineteen seventeen. They still win though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're still banging on, them, but they they still got to win. Let's go. How about Cleveland Jacksonville? Okay. Okay. Kind of in the division here. Yes. Uh, I was able to catch bits and pieces of this game. Uh, Baker actually looked good. He didn't. Like Baker looked good. 19 for 29, 258, two right. touchdowns, no picks, 117 QBR. Right. But I think that's what we expect yeah. from Baker. Not just expect, but that's what you need from Baker. Listen, he avoided... Under 30 attempts. That's he, it. He avoided mistakes. He didn't throw the ball over 30 times. And Nick Chubb ran really well. And that's the recipe for success when you're talking about Baker. Uh, Nick Chubb, 19 rushes for 144 yards, averaging 7.6 a carry with a touchdown. Uh, yeah. looked yeah. absolutely dominant. And then Kareem Hunt, ten rushes for sixty-two yards, averaging six point two a carry. He was so, a good. He was a good changeup. He was you a good supplement I mean? yeah. because when he when Chubb would come off the field tired, and you don't really want to give the ball to Baker to possibly make that mistake. Exactly, he's a good number two to have. And I think this is the best setup that Cleveland could possibly have. They need to keep a really good one and a really good two running back because you can't you can't just expect Baker to carry your team. He's he's not good enough. I agree, and I like, actually, I mean, I don't like that OBJ's out. Obviously, I don't like that a guy's injured, especially a star. Um, but I do like that they've now, look, Baker has narrowed down to his one premier target, and that's Jarvis Landry. Yes. Like, that's the one guy in the past game, he's like, okay, that's my number one read. 11 targets, 8 receptions, 143 yards, 1 touchdown, uh, averaging 17.9 yards a touch. That's was, really good. It was really good, yeah. Uh, I think this is what the Browns need to do. But how about Mike Glennon? I don't know if it's if it's the uh, Cleveland Browns offense, is, is that or defense, I'm sorry, is that bad? Or Mike Glennon just like, I don't, I don't know. He had looked, a 97 QBR, 2 touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, he looked really solid. Um I mean, there were a couple of those clutch time throws that he didn't make, and I didn't really expect him to. But, um, I mean, that would be really the only fault that I could have for him uh, this week. He looked good coming off the bench, 20 for 35, two touchdowns. I mean, 235 yards, completing 57% of his passes. Looked good. Um, 
I mean, that's really all there is to say about that game. Boring game. I think I do want to. Here's here's one thing I'll talk about. Cleveland is eight and eight or eight and three. I'm sorry. It does not feel the same as any other eight and three team. No, they're eight and three. Like we know they're eight and three, but it's kind of like, eh. yeah. You know, like let's look at other eight and three teams. Like Buffalo, I think Buffalo is a way better team. I don't even think it's close. No, I think if they played tomorrow, Butler uh, Buffalo would trounce them. And t- Tennessee, I think Tennessee would run up and down Cleveland's throat. It, w- it wouldn't even be a, g- a contest. They're eight and three. Yeah. Um. Are there in three, Green Bay, I think Green Bay kills them. I don't even think it's close. Uh, it, it, it's just their eight and three is, does not feel like a true eight and three to me. No, no. Uh, let's go here. Let's go Saints Broncos. Oh God, no 30. quarterback for the Broncos. Yeah, this I a, messed up bad here. This will be a quick one because I mean, there's not much going on. I messed up bad. What do you mean? I was dumb. I actually started Jerry Judy, knowing that they don't even have a quarterback. I started Jerry Judy in fantasy. It's a bad decision. I was somewhere with no cell service. I wasn't checking. But, yeah, no, it was, it was a really, really bad decision. Anyway, uh, Kendall Hinton gets the start. He was a wide receiver. He's now back to the practice squad. But, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. He's a quarterback for a game. Uh, Taysom Hill looked incredibly limited, but he didn't really have to be that good because Latavia, it was Latavius Murray's day. You know, it could be Kamara's day. It could be Murray's day. It was Murray's day. He ran all over him. Not much else to say here. We expected New Orleans to win. Especially with no quarterback for the Broncos. It was incredibly dumb of the Broncos quarterbacks to be completely, you know, in ignorance of the COVID rules. Look, you don't have to like it, but do it for your team. Yeah. Do it for your team. They let their team down. Um, uh, Their team lost because of it. Not much else to say. Last thing I want to say about this game real quick is that Taysom Hill just proves how inadequate he is as a quarterback. Nine for 16. Uh, 78 yards, no touchdowns, a pick, and a 43 QBR. I get that they're running the Wildcat, and he's not in there all the time. But, I mean, everybody was so big on Taysom Hill. I just don't understand why the why New Orleans has not gone to Jameis Winston yet. Jameis, yeah. Go why not? Why not? I mean, you have a good quarterback. Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. He's an average quarterback that can get you through the season, and at least until Drew's ready to come back. So why are we playing a guy that is incompetent throwing a football like Taysom? Yeah, I think the only reason is just because it's different, you know, and it kind of throws teams off guard. Yeah, but uh, you know, whatever. Wait till they play like an actual competitive team and not like the COVID-ridden Broncos. But yeah, I mean, let's see what their schedule is coming up here. Uh, They have they have Atlanta, Philadelphia. That's not a competitive team. Eagles not a competitive. The Chiefs. Chiefs. Minnesota, even in Carolina. Minnesota, yeah. Uh, Kansas City, Minnesota, God, and so Carolina. So many W's. They're going to be thirteen and three. I mean, be thirteen and three. What do we predict them to be? Eleven and five. Twelve and four, I think. Okay. All right. Uh, here, let's go. Miami and the Jets. Incredibly, an incredibly boring game. There were a lot of blowouts this week. Um, there were. I mean, Fitz Fitz Magic gets to start too. I heard his thumb. So that's cool for Fitz. Still getting in the game. Still, you know, out there having some fun. Uh, you know, he played well. 98 QBR. Distributed yes. the football really well. Devontae Parker got in there. And uh, Gesicki caught a touchdown. Uh, even their other tight end, Adam Shaheen, caught a touchdown. They spread the ball well. Um, and you know and on else? the flip side, Darnold looked bad. No, no, Darnold spread the ball even better. He spread it to both teams. Um, <laughs> Darnold... Going 16 for 27, 197 yards, no tutties, but hey, two picks. He likes to get that uh, Miami defense involved. 
451 um, QBR. He did not look good. It was not a what good What do you game. do if you're the Jets? Uh, you you cry and hope that Trevor Lawrence signs with you when you draft him. <laughs> all you can do is hope that Trevor Lawrence signs with you if you draft him. That's all you can hope oh, for. Oh, God. All right. So. <laughs> slams, this, slams bottle on the desk. This is tough, right? I like Sam Darnold, but. This is a tough situation for the Jets, too, now, because, his, look, Darnold at the beginning of the year probably would have garnered probably two firsts. Yeah, he's hurting Or his, at least a first and and two seconds. He's really hurting himself. Well, he's hurting the Jets, actually, which who, I'm sure he doesn't care, but yeah. he probably could only get now two two seconds and a third, maybe, yeah. you know, for, for him. Right. Because, uh, obviously, I think they're going to move off him for Trevor Lawrence. This is just a tough situation all around. Because you want to get Lawrence, and you were hoping that Darnold could garner some picks. But I don't know if he even can at this point. No. It's going to be tough. Uh, I, I still think the Steelers should should look into it. At least as a number two to sit behind Ben for a year. I mean, I don't think Mason Rudolph's the answer. I think it's worth looking into. I think the Niners could, could give him a look. Yeah. I don't think the Broncos would be a bad idea to give him a look. Um... Carolina. I know they signed Teddy Bridgewater for two more years, but still. He's got options, but... Yeah, we'll see. He needs to start um, playing better. Um, definitely. Let's move on here. How about San Fran gets the upset win over the L.A. Rams? That's her fourth straight. It seems like Shanahan kind of has McVay figured out. Two of the best young coaches. Mm-hmm. Seems like, like I said, coaching, that uh, Shanahan's kind of got McVay figured out a little bit. Like I said, four straight over the Rams. They win 23-20, even with a backup quarterback and Nick Mullins. He yeah. actually didn't look bad. 77 QBR from a backup. I'll take it. Story of the game was that both quarterbacks didn't look the greatest. Jared Goff looked terrible. 19 for 31, 198 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, 53 QBR. The story of the game was the running backs. And it's kind of weird. Like you said, starting the show today, we said, you know, usually it's weird because usually we're a very quarterback-centric show. Everything kind of revolves around the quarterback, and, uh, you know, we kind of brush over the running game. But this week, it was totally flip-flopped. Most of the quarterbacks that we saw play didn't even do that well, and... um, I mean, the ones that did are the big stars, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, you have... Wow. You have the rushing games this week and running the ball late in the season is of the utmost importance. Yeah, and that's what was kind of shocking to me though because LA ran the ball pretty well. They they bit off 4.5 a carry yeah. to the Niners only 3.5, but I thought it was the line play from from the LA Rams that was an issue. Look, Goff was under duress all day and it resulted in two picks. One yeah. being a pick six off of a tipped ball where his arm kind of got hit as he was throwing. Uh, it was just a tough day for the Rams. I wouldn't look too much into it though, because I still think they're going to be a playoff team. And you and you still look at their uh, their schedule. I think they have the, the Cardinals. I think that's a win. Uh, yeah. The Patriots. I think that's a win. Jets is an obvious win. Seahawks. Eh. And then Cardinals again. Uh, I think at worst they go ten and six. Mm-hmm. Which I mean that's a playoff team. It is a playoff team. So I uh, let's just pump the brakes on that a little bit. Though I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, let's go with that four twenty five game. Exhilarating. Exhilarating. The Chiefs beat the Buccaneers 27-24. Offense kind of went stagnant there in the second half, but thank God they had the most prolific first quarter in NFL history. There, yeah. Tyreek Hill finished the football game with 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. Absolutely insane. That's just silly. 
And, and look at that quarterback up there, too. His name, if, if you haven't heard of him, his name's Patrick Mahomes. Um, he's absolutely insane. He's an animal. Uh, 37 for 49, 462 yards, three touchdowns, 125 rating. No picks, yeah. Um, I thought that was one of the most perfect games you could play as a quarterback that I've uh, pretty much ever seen. You know, all the throws that needed to be made were, were pretty much made. He yeah. actually had a couple drops to where they probably could have even scored more. Did you see that back shoulder throw? To Tyreek Hill? To Tyreek Hill. Well, I saw the back shoulder one. I saw also the one where he threw it right over the defender's shoulder, right into Tyreek's hands. The defender didn't even know the ball was in Tyreek Hill's hands. He turned his head around after the ball was already in Tyreek Hill's hands. It was so impressive. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Just the accuracy, the touch, the the being able to throw from different arm slots just makes it look way too easy. Mm -hmm. It's like he's not human, I swear. Yeah. On the flip side, though, Brady... Didn't look terrible. 27 for 41, 345 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Had the two picks, The two picks, you know, that killed him uh, in the 96 rating. But, uh, I mean, combined, these quarterbacks put up 800 yards passing in this game. This was another coaching mismatch. I've never seen a a job, a bang-up job, as bad as Bruce Arians is doing so far, which which hurts me to say because I like Bruce Arians a lot. This might be... This is probably a top three coaching gaffe yeah. that so far this season that I've seen in a long time, right? So what is Tom Brady known for? What does actually everyone hate him for? His dink and dunk efficiency offense that he ran in New England. Mm-hmm. Just check down. Mr. Checkdown, but for some safe. reason it worked. Being his best targets, running backs, all that good stuff, always having a run game, you know? Yeah. Well, they only ran the ball 13 times, and their most talented back, Leonard Fournette, only touched the ball three times. Um... Actually, I'm sorry, he touched it six. He had three catches, but only ran the ball three times. Ronald Jones even only ran the ball nine times. And the the lack of efficient, high-percentage throws is is insane. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking Bruce Arians to completely change his ways and just go to a dink-and-dunk offense, but you have one of the best quarterbacks in the history of football. You know, maybe... Not, let's not outthink the room here. Yeah, maybe just play to his strength. Let's not outthink the room. Just let him do what he can do. Look, every now and then, maybe once or twice a drive, if you want to take a shot, fine. But why, why are we trying to make Brady into something he's not? Yeah. So. Also, if there's an issue with the with the amount of miles to feed, wouldn't you want shorter passes to get people more involved? Right. I'm confused. More strategic, kind of just... It's just Look, if you have shorter drive. passes, there's more plays on the drive. If there's more plays on the drive, there's more footballs to go around there's more passes to be caught right and and the methodical drives that brady can put together i you're just not seeing them this year because they're not playing that style of football i don't understand how you can take arguably the best quarterback of all time and totally just say okay listen i know you're strong in this area and you've played at the absolute utmost peak that you possibly could your entire career playing this way but we're gonna switch that yeah <laughs> like, at 43 years of yeah. age that makes no sense. No, it's a, it's a terrible coaching gaffe. He's done a terrible job, and uh, we're going to get into coaching, like I said, but I, I think they need to explore moving off him getting a candidate for Brady's last year because they need something. Right. Uh, let's go to that night game to finish off. Chicago and Green Bay. Yeah, Chicago and Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers looked dominant. Um, we're not even going to get into Green Bay's uh, offense. We're going to talk about the Bears. I think Ryan Pace needs to go as their general manager. Well, he's we, got to go. He, I, I, I don't understand how you could actually 
seriously look at the amount of talent that he's given away and the lack of talent that he's brought in yeah. and say, oh, yeah, he's a great general manager. Nope, that's simply incorrect. You whiffed on the Trubisky pick, who I still like better than Nick Foles, and actually he played better than Nick Foles. Yeah, the two picks and the fumble, whatever. I don't care. He played better than Nick Foles. You, you, you boned up the Trubisky pick. You boned up the Khalil Mack trade. You boned up a lot of other trades. What are you doing? The offensive line's terrible. You got no weapons. Your running back's not good. Look, I know he went for 103 yards. He had like an 80-yard run. You take that out, he has nothing. Yeah. None. One one chunk play, the rest of the game, he was terrible. Look, you boned up so many picks at this point. I, I don't understand how you still have a job. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I don't want Matt Nagy to be blamed for it because Matt Nagy, I think, is a really good coach. Yeah. I but just... it was bad. It was bad. Either way, Green Bay gets to win. Um, I don't have too much to say about that game other than the Chicago Bears need to figure it out. Um, so we're going to get into our predictions here. Yeah, uh, the game actually is started. It is fourth and goal on the Philadelphia 2. The Seahawks have the football. Uh, the Eagles went three and out, and now the Seahawks have the football drove down the field. Russell Wilson's looked good this drive, four for five, 43 yards. So uh, we'll give you our picks then. Yeah. Uh, my pick, even before seeing that they're about to score either a field goal or a touchdown, doesn't matter. Um, I think Seattle, I'm not really sure what the spread was. I have it. Hold on. Uh, I'm picking Seattle to win and whatever. The, I think it was, what, seven, seven and a half? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. I'll take Seattle to cover. Yep. Um, I think they actually solved their, their biggest issue, which they solved their two biggest issues, actually. I think they solved their pass rush, which also solves their other issue, which was secondary. The guys just have to cover for less time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think they're fine. I think their defense is actually going to be you know good enough. Top 20 will be yeah. good enough with Russell Wilson. They're Absolutely. getting Chris Carson back. Carlos Hyde's playing well. I think they, they solved a lot of issues. Russell Wilson's getting starting to play better, uh, coming off that little skitty head there. I think they cover. I don't even think it's really close. I think they probably win by 17, 18 points. Over under 47 and a half. What do you like? I'll take the under because I don't really think Philly scores that much. I don't think Wentz is, is playing well at all. No, I mean, he's already over three. So Yeah. So uh, I'll take Seattle. I'll take the under. I'll take Seattle to cover. And I will take the same exact thing. I don't think it's that hard of a pick. This is an easy game. Uh, and then we're just going to go into our Wednesday pick. <laughs> Hopefully there's a game Wednesday. Um, so yeah, the Steelers. And that would be the Steelers um, and the Ravens. Um, I have here the Steelers are favored by 10 because the Ravens are starting RG3 at quarterback, I think. Yeah. And the over-under is 40.5. I'll start with taking the under because Steelers defense is, uh, I think, going to absolutely suffocate the Ravens. But I also think that the Ravens' defense is still respectable. Like, I don't think the Steelers are just going to walk right over them. You know what I mean? So I think the Ravens' will, the Ravens defense will keep it a little bit close. And, oh, my God, the Seahawks somehow did not even put points on the board there. Wow. Probably missed field goal. Oh, okay. They went for it on fourth down. And uh, Russell Wilson passed it to who is D. Moore? Oh, Dav Moore. Oh, David Moore. Okay. For a loss of five yards. Oh, that's interesting. So Probably a little defensive to... stand there for the Eagles. Still still like the, the Seahawks to, to win and cover. But anyway, back to the Ravens-Steelers game. I would never pick in a Ravens-Steelers game. First of all, I'd never put money on it because I know how tight this is. And I would never pick any team to cover a 10-point spread in this rivalry. I just don't think there's. I don't no. think it happens. Even with RG3 at the helm, Harbaugh's a good enough coach. I, I don't think that the Steelers cover that. I'll take the Ravens to get yeah. within 10. Yeah, I take the Ravens to cover. I like the under, and I like the Pittsburgh Steelers to win. Um, 
So those are the predictions, and those are our thoughts from Sunday. So we are going to hit a little break here. Uh, when we come back, you will get a discussion about the NFL. A how little bit been. of the coaching that we were talking yeah. about that we said we would get to. And uh, kind of carry it over into college football a little bit. It's going to be a shorter second segment, and then we'll just get to uh, you know our thoughts on the NFL and what they're doing with, with the COVID. whole COVID thing. Actually, we're going to get to that first, then the, the college coaching thing as well. So Absolutely. So don't go anywhere. You won't want to miss it. Yo, what's up? We are back. Second segment. It's going to be a decently quick one, but it's good. It's got a lot of good good talking points in it. Yeah, but I feel like every single time we say that it's going to be a quick one, it ends up being about an hour. So, <laughs> Well, you know, we like to talk. You know? yeah, absolutely. That kind of is the point of it, right? You know? Yeah. Um, uh, so we're going to get into Especially because these are two discussions. These could go on. These have the potential to. <laughs> they could, right. but we're going to try to keep it shorter. We're right, going to yeah, try to keep yeah, it shorter. Yeah. Um, so let's start with, we kind of ended you know, predicting for the Steelers game. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the chaos that's surrounded them. They are now they're pushed back to six days after the initial you know date that they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving Day this mm. past Thursday. Yeah, um, it has now been pushed back to Wednesday. It was originally pushed back to Sunday, and then the, to Tuesday, and, then and to now to Wednesday. And I want to talk a little bit about the, you know, we can't swear, but the the BS. You, know, <laughs> you could you know you could fill in the rest there. Incredible. It's insane. The the NFL's whatever they're doing is actually one of the most crazy things I've ever seen. So the, it's the inconsistency that's my issue, right? Right. So I'm going to get into my piece, and then you can get into yours, right? Um, I I understand moving it back to Sunday, and even if moving it back to Tuesday, but this latest move is is really bothering me. Look, you just made the Denver Broncos play a game. With a wide receiver at quarterback. A wide receiver yeah. at quarterback. You made the uh, San Francisco 49ers play a game with, what was that number? I think it was six. like... It was six. Was it six active players? Six, six active players from the NFC Championship From the previous game. NFC Championship. Six? Is that a joke? <laughs> they had one offensive lineman that was, that was on the team the previous year. Like, wh- what are we doing here, guys? And now we're gonna we're gonna coddle the Ravens because well they're they're good for ratings because people love to tune in to watch Lamar. Well, he can't play anyway, so that's kind of out the window. So why are we still coddling this team? They're not a good, a incredibly great football team. They're six and four. They're they're good. They're a good football team. The NFL is doing. They're not great. So why why are they screwing over a team that is really really good for a team that's kind of average because the nfl wants lamar in the playoffs so badly they're willing to do whatever it takes to get lamar into the playoffs and i think the thing is well i mean this isn't really gonna help lamar get into the playoffs because they're gonna start rg3 anyway and i think they're gonna lose but this now screws over the pittsburgh steelers the game that was supposed to be played on on monday or on sunday Sunday. got moved to monday so the steelers next week game against the washington football team did get moved to monday so that gives us an extra day of prep but now the steelers have to play on a short week next week too Against after just coming off a game against the Ravens, let's, let's not lie here. The Ravens still have a really good football and team. a really physical football team, especially because we are a physical football team against a physical football team, which only it, it it's not like addition. It, that's exponentially physical. Yes. you know, like it is going to be a brutal football game. Guys' bodies are going to be sore. We're, we're the, Tomlin's probably going to give them off Thursday, I would assume, I would and hope probably so. maybe even Friday. And the, now and then they got to turn around and be able to play by Monday. Prep Saturday, Sunday, play Monday. And so now they have to prep over the weekend. 
to play Monday. It, it, it's absolutely blasphemous. And it's to protect the Ravens, like, what, why? Because you didn't protect the Niners, who went to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. You didn't protect the Broncos, who have, you know, a a, a, a league face as their owner. And, and John Elway, what are we... Why are we protecting? Why are we protecting the Ravens? Uh, and the way they've handled this is absolutely incredibly stupid. And I'm not going to say anything else other than stupid. Uh, the thing about this too is it sets an incredibly dangerous precedent for any other team because now look, what happens if you have another COVID outbreak on on a different team now? Right now you start asking questions. Well, are we, can we get well, our can game we push back? Our, our, can we push our game back a whole, almost a whole calendar week? The team's going to be asking that. The, the Broncos said, "Like, hey man, you just move the 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 Ravens game back five whole days. We can't at least get two days, so our guys are eligible." Yeah. Or quarterback of all positions. It's not like they're. It's not like they were playing a game without safeties, where you could just throw a wide receiver or throw a backup DB back there. Yeah. No, they were playing a game without a quarterback. Yeah. Um. It's extremely infuriating. It's it is you're right. Infuriating is the only word I can come up with. It's just like again and again, like why are we why are we coddling teams that can't get their crap together? Yeah. Look, I just saw, I know the okay. Steelers had a couple positive tests, but a couple. Yeah. As in they've had like and, I think three all year. And might I suggest, when uh, it came out that Big Ben might not be able to play because of COVID, I didn't see the NFL rushing to switch didn't our matter. game. Didn't matter. I didn't see the NFL go, oh, well, Big Ben can't play, so we're going to push the game back a calendar week so that hopefully he can get back so that so the ratings could, will. Hopefully it was a false. I think the reason is because they were hoping it was a false positive for Lamar. And it did. You test negative yeah. three times. Yes. Like, direct after testing positive, if you want, think it's a false positive, you have to test negative three times in three days. Mm-hmm. And no one ever even brought that up for Ben. No. But for Lamar, it was like, oh. As soon as it was announced. Move it back. We as soon as he back. announced that it had COVID, it was like. Move it back. As soon as he announced it, it was like, okay, well, do you want to play it two weeks from now then? And do you just go to the game? Like, what are we doing, guys? The, it's incredibly stick, frustrating. Stick to the set of rules so it's fair. We just talked about all these instances of other teams getting screwed over because of, not even screwed over because those were the roles that were set in the beginning of the season. So if you're going to make a team play, yep. Yep. okay, before the season started, they came out and they said if you have somebody on your team that has COVID that has tested positive for COVID, they will be treated like a normal injury. They will not be able to play. You will yep. have to play without. And if you have too many guys that test positive that you can't put a team together, then you will have to forfeit the game. All the teams knew it. All the teams agreed to it, and we started the season. And guess what? They followed it to a T until we get to this Ravens game. Except for some reason, games against the Steelers. Titans. Why is that? The Titans. Tennessee and Baltimore. And Baltimore. What? Why? Why is Pittsburgh being screwed over? Why so is it? Often? Why is it different for those teams than it is for the Niners or it is for the Broncos? Yeah. Or even it is for the Steelers, like you mentioned with the Big Ben thing. I, it's incredibly frustrating because. They said one thing, and then they did another, and then not only did they do another, they were inconsistent with their actions. Yeah. It's it's incredibly frustrating, and I think Roger Goodell, he messed this one up. Look, I, I thought Roger Goodell was the best commissioner coming into this whole COVID-19 pandemic, and now I think Adam Silver is, is head and shoulders the best commissioner. Look, I get that Goodell is the best financial commissioner what he's done for the league he's made it a global brand 
and he's made a lot of money for the owners, for himself, for the league in general, for the players, uh, for everyone. So I, I commend him on that. But he's done a bang a, up job this week. From a yeah, oh my, for this this year, from a whole, from a standpoint of of the better of the league, especially when the league needs him most. In fairness. He's complete. It's a complete tank job. Yes. Uh, Adam Silver did an amazing job. They had zero positive tests in the bubble. I understand you can't create a bubble for the uh, for the NFL, but just be better. Just 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 Hold, be a better commissioner. How about this? Look, I don't know how, but it's not my job to know how. It's your job to know how. So just be better. Right, be here, better. I don't here, know what you want me to tell you. Be better. Here's an idea. Hold teams accountable. Hold them accountable. If they break the rule, yeah, I just saw that the New Orleans Saints got fined like what was it like half a million dollars and a seventh round pick and a seventh round pick. And wait, who's the other team? There's one other team that got fined. I know that. Well, I don't know about this week, but I know there there was like a million dollars worth of fines in the first two weeks. Yeah. So. Um. Why hasn't Baltimore been fined? Because uh, let me and think. Why why um, wasn't Denver fined? Um, because their quarterbacks uh, disobeyed the uh, mask thing. Yeah. So let me get this straight. So we're, we're finding teams for breaking protocol. Oh wait, 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 that's right, that's right. Baltimore strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, he broke protocol, and then a couple other players on the team actually broke protocol. Uh, but that's fine. We're not going to find Baltimore. What we're going to do is we're actually going to push their games back six days. We're going to give them all the time in the world. They just came off of a short week against Tennessee. And, hey, you know, we're going to push their game back. We're make not going to find them and, and make it easier on Baltimore, make it easier on Lamar. Are you kidding me? That is the most bang-up job yeah. that, that I've seen all season. And, and it's incredible, and it's so frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. It's hard to watch, especially, and also, I mean, I'm just going to get into an NFL from a whole standpoint. It's almost getting to the point where I, I can't even watch a full game anymore because it just infuriates me. I'm watching, this is going to actually segue perfectly into our next discussion. I'm watching that Falcons, or not Falcons, I keep mixing up the Arizona Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons. It's the A and then the bird. Yeah. It's the mix of the city with an A and a bird. <laughs> anyway, the Arizona Cardinals at the New England Patriots. Um, it's the last drive. It's the Patriots. They're trying to drive down the field. First of all, Zane Gonzalez. Can I can I touch on something? How does their kicker still have a job? They put up a statistic before he's about to kick a 45-yard field goal, which is very makeable in the NFL. There was no win. The announcers were actually like, there is no win in the stadium here. This should be a very makeable kick. And then they throw up a graphic that Zane Gonzalez, the kicker for the Cardinals, is 27 for 43 <laughs> on field goals above 40. <laughs> and I go, I, I turn to my uncle I'm watching the game with, and he at the exact, wait, no, I, if it was my uncle or my or my cousin, either way, either way, I turn to the person I'm watching the game with, and we both look at each other and we go, how does he, did you read that? And he goes, I asked, did you read the, the graphic they just put up? He goes, does he, he has a job in the NFL? <laughs> and I'm like, isn't that like where you're supposed to make your money? Everyone should be money within 40. Yeah. Isn't what separates like college kickers, like, you know, you separate the, the men from the boys with above 40. How is this guy still have a job? <laughs> Either way, I'm not calling for a kicker to get fired, but I mean, we'll cut, but you know, yeah. you get the point. Either way, he misses a, a very makeable kick somehow. I, God. Because he's so bad. Uh, yeah, it was just bad. Anyway, gives the Patriots the ball. I'm thinking, okay, Cam Newton isn't driving them down the field. It's just not going to happen. 
And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for one of the worst calls I've seen in so long. It made me want to throw a sharp object, a sharp, hard object through the brand new TV we just got at our camp. <laughs> this guy, Cam Newton was about a yard and a half within bounds, inside the boundary. So as a runner, so he was a, you know, by rule, a running back, a yard to a yard and a half inside of the boundary. Well, what's the first? So you can hit him, right? Yeah. Well, Isaiah Simmons comes up, lays the boom on him. Completely legal hit. Shoulder to shoulder, lays the boom, right? His helmet, I don't even think, contacted Cam at any point in the play. They called a flag, moved it 15 yards, put him right within field goal range. They didn't gain a single yard after that. <laughs> Not a single yard. I think they, I think they gained one. <laughs> and they give it to James Buddy. I think he gained one yard. So without that call, they're not in field goal range. They don't win that football game. No. And lose me money, mind you. But anyway, it just it, it, DeAndre Hopkins, you could hear him in the background. First of all, they, they, they put the camera on him. He goes, NFL, figure it out. Like, you figure out your calls. That was one of the worst calls ever. And then while the guy's kicking, you can hear DeAndre Hopkins in the mic on the sideline goes, terrible call or something, something along the lines of that. And I go, wow. I've never agreed with a statement more in my life. That is one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Yeah. So the NFL has to figure it out. And they have to figure out these these roughing the passer calls are getting silly. Did you see the one on Mahomes yesterday? Yeah. They, Jason Pierre-Paul was going, yeah. putting his hands up to bat down the pass. And, and his, like, half of his finger, because the other half went with a firework up into the sky. Yeah. Sorry, kind of a mean joke there, but, you know, <laughs> it actually happened. He blew half his hand off with a firework. Anyway. His hand nips Patrick Mahomes' head. Nips it. Barely touches it. Flag. <laughs> Same thing happened with Rodgers this past, uh, last night. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Infuriating. Infuriating. Guys, I get that we have to protect the quarterback, but if you're putting your hands up to bat down a pass... And you brush his helmet... It's, not, look, that's it's not laws of physics. What goes up has to come down. If I put my hands up, they have to come down. At some point. If they happen to come down and nip someone's helmet, look, I get. If I start swinging at Mahomes' face, call a flag, please, by all means. If I'm going up there trying to club him in the head, yes, that is a flag. But if I accidentally, inadvertently hit the guy's head, what are we doing here? It's insane. It's truly like, and just recently too, like really bad because it's the tri- it hasn't been the greatest over this season, but. This the past week, two, the this, past the past two weeks, but this oh. week, in, this week in particular, the terrible calls. The NFL needs to not only figure out their COVID guidelines, but they need to figure out their officiating, like and, and quick. I agree, like really quick. Um, yeah, no, you you couldn't have said it better myself. But I want to get now into a little bit of the coaching that I want to talk about. Um, well, I talked about the the fact that the coaching mismatch between Cliff Kingsbury and Bill Belichick was massive. And I want to talk a little bit about about why um, and what I think you know could happen. Like I said, the uh, the Patriots lost in every significant statistical category. They were down in turnover margin, down in total yards, down in time of possession, down in rushing yards, down in passing yards, yeah. literally everything. Yet they still won the game. Yeah. And it's, I thought it was mostly because Cliff Kingsbury wasn't calling good plays. No, I'm sitting there. It's third and three. And the Patriots, look, they come out and the Patriots like to play that amoeba defense. And the best way to to play an amoeba defense is to get the ball out quick. There was a play on third and three. 
they ran, if you ever, everyone's ever played Madden, it looked exactly like the Madden play four verts, four verticals. Yep. And I go, huh, so did you watch film? Did you did you watch film? Did you have you ever watched Bill Belichick coach? <laughs> he always plays the Mimi defense on third down, almost always. And of course, you see one down lineman, and you see a bunch of linebackers and DNs sitting there at the line of scrimmage, and you go, "Okay, maybe defense. Let's get the ball out quick on the edges because they're stacking the box, they're stacking inside the hashes, making Kyler Murray make a contested throw outside the hashes." And you say, "Well, well, the the Patriots don't have a lot of." Defensive talent. They play good as a unit, but not a lot of one-on-one defensive talent outside of Stephon Gilmore. So why don't we just run a little bubble screen? Let's get our playmakers in space. Or even throw a weak side out. (laughs) Or let's get Kyler Murray in space because he's the most electric player I've ever seen run the football. Yeah. Maybe outside of Lamar's up there, Kyler Murray, Michael Vick, quarterback-wise. Yeah. So how about we take Kyler Murray and one of the – Probably a top 10 running back and Kenyon Drake. How about we run the option here? Let's give ourselves two options in space, outside the numbers, because that's where Bill Belichick is pushing us. Let's take what he's given us, and let's try to beat him. Yeah. How about instead, we, what, or instead what Cliff Kingsbury did was play right into Bill Belichick's hand? Because Kyler Murray got the line and goes, oh, well, I mean, they're playing one-on-one on the edge because they're going to blitz the, the house. And you played exactly into his hands. You you sent the house. He sent the Belichick sent the house. And Murray noticed it was one on one and tried to chuck up a deep bomb. Of course he missed because actually his accuracy was really really bad yesterday because his shoulders a little bit tweaked. I thought it was one of the worst play calls I've seen in a long time. And it was plays like that consistently throughout the game that just left you shaking your head. And I mean we talked about this earlier in the show too in the first segment uh, when we were going over our Sunday thoughts. Um, look, like you said. Arizona's window to win the Super Bowl with is, Kyler is two to three years. Next year or the year after. That's, so, that's about it. So if you're noticing these coaching uh, mistakes, like often, like so often, and this past week needs to be a week you look at if you're a GM. Absolutely. Or if you're an owner of the team. Because if you're not seeing what you need to see, it's time to move on. You need to get the perfect setup for Kyler within this next year or two, or else it's it, your chances I mean, go down dramatically. And I think they're getting there. Their defense is improving. DeAndre Hopkins is, is they obviously went out and got D-Hop. Kenyon yeah. Drake's a good back for them. Uh, they have a decent tight end. Right, but they need and to figure out the Arnold, They now. have decent weapons. They're not, they don't have a lot of holes. They need a couple more pieces on defense. I think they need to also wake up and realize that Patrick Peterson's not a top 15 corner anymore. He's not even a top probably 20 corner anymore. They still think he's a number one. He's simply not. He was getting burned by the receivers of, of New England who don't get separation. They no. were against him. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things they need to kind of wake up on. They're not that far off, and it's frustrating to see a team that not that far off with such with a coach that just doesn't look like he he's got what it takes because like I said losing record in college which is a lower level with, with Patrick Mahomes with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes yes and then he was five and eleven last year it's like come on now let's 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 kind of wake up and smell the roses here and with like I said without that hail mary and without that amazing crazy um, Russell Wilson's receiver fumbling the football in overtime yeah. Uh, get overtime game win against Seattle. They're a, a four and four and six, four and seven football team. Yes, instead of a six and five football team. So these these games that they're kind of getting lucky, they're getting outplayed, thoroughly outplayed in a lot of football games, and mm-hmm. it's kind of scaring me a little bit. Yeah. So I think there's a coaching issue there, and I also want to get into another one: the Chargers. Anthony Lynn 
who god it was bad yeah so i want to walk you through this one i think it's at the end of the first half they have two timeouts and i think at the start of the play they have 50 some seconds justin herbert throws a beautiful pass i think it's a probably about a 30 yard gain they get from about the 25 30 yard line up to the i think the 40 ish to 45 yard line of of buffalo and with about 46 seconds left is when the play like when the guys tackled everyone's running up the line about 46 seconds clock's running they have two timeouts. Why would you not call one there? Instead, they let the clock tick down to 21 seconds and then call a timeout. So you burned a timeout and let almost 30 seconds tick off the clock. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, they didn't get points before half. They didn't get points before half. That's inexcusable because if they get points before half, so it's 17-6 at that point. You get points before half, It's even if you kick a field goal, it's 17-9. That's, with, that's a one-score game. And momentum going into the second half. Yeah. And, I mean, if we look at... I don't know if they were getting the ball at the second half or not. Let me check here. Okay, so they weren't getting the ball in the second half, so it's even more so that you have to score. Yeah. You have to score knowing that you're giving the ball right back to them. It was really, really bad clock management. And then, at the end of the game, it's a 10-point game, so it wasn't all that close. I get it. But, Justin Herbert throws a bomb. They have, I think... No, they have no timeouts. So Justin Herbert throws a bomb with like 50 seconds left. They get up there. They don't spike it. They don't do any of that. He calls, he calls in through Justin Herbert's helmet a running play with 50 seconds left with no timeouts. <laughs> what are you doing? And then at the, with three seconds left, he sneaks the football. It doesn't even matter anyway. He gets blown up. Terrible coaching. That's awful coaching. Yeah. There's no there's no other way to slice it. And the way that the Chargers have lost so many close games this year, that's coaching. That's that's simply coaching. Right, and, and you take that coaching mistake out of it and it's quite possible. If, they, a score brand new football if game. they score before half, that's a brand new football game. You're exactly right. Yeah. And if you take a timeout there, so they're at the forty five, that leaves you with about forty five seconds left. You're at their forty five with another timeout, and Justin Herbert, who has a rocket arm who can make all the throws outside the numbers. You have a chance to score. Yeah, absolutely. You have a chance to score. You have about you have about six plays left. But there. instead, you run the ball with fifty seconds left in the half. It was incredibly puzzling. I don't understand it. No, they didn't run the football with a second. They, they didn't take a timeout. That was the issue. Oh yeah, yeah. It was they, they they ran the ball at the end of the game, which was dumb. But at that point, it was already out of reach. But still, you still got to not make that dumb of a decision. Right. Right. So that was a bad one. And then um, let me see if there's anything else. I, I don't really remember if there's any other coaching. Gas. Yeah, so I will. We will obviously. Um, Bruce Arians. We already talked about that though. The yeah. fact that he's trying to make Brady a, a risk it, a no risk and no biscuit quarterback when he has become the most successful quarterback in NFL history at the check off down. of high percentage efficiency throws. Yes, he's just going to efficient offense you to death. That's what he does. Um, I don't really think there was that many other coaching issues. Um, hop into the next segment. This. Oh, this is it. Okay. I, I do want to talk about college football a little bit, though. It was actually pretty exciting this year, uh, this week. Yeah. I did throw some money on Texas A&M to cover that LSU game. I didn't think it'd be a monsoon, and I want to talk about this. Isn't actually isn't even that much of coaching. I want to talk about how bad Kellen Mond is, <laughs> the quarterback for Texas A&M. Like I said, granted, it rained a lot, but good lord. Kellen Mond was trying to give this game away. 
You want me to tell you and read you the stats here? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, God, this makes me want to cry. Um, Kellerman went 11 for 34. That's a 32.4% completion percentage. 105 yards, averaging 3.1 yards an attempt with a 58 QBR. And that's in college with an inflated QBR. Wow. Actually, the guy for LSU who went 9 for 25 mm-hmm. for 118 yards and no touchdowns, two picks, actually had a higher QBR. Let's just put that in perspective. <laughs> Kellen Mon was next level bad. Yeah. Next level bad. And I thought that I, I th- this is kind of where I thought that um, actually Jimbo Fisher, the coach, who is obviously a legendary coach, I thought this fell on Jimbo Fisher. And let me tell you why. They won the turnover battle. They won the total yards battle. They won the running game battle. Yet they still lost the football game. Actually, they were tied in total yards, which is kind of crazy. They lost the football, or they they won the football game, but not they almost lost the football game. Yeah, like L- LSU played an F minus game. <laughs> like they failed the class and then some. Yeah, Three and they them. still came within thirteen points of winning. Yeah, which is too close for comfort. That's a two possession game. Absolutely, that game should have been fifty to nothing, easily. Uh-huh. With the easily. way LSU played, yeah. And I, I thought the the lack of discipline from Texas A&M, receivers dropping the football, penalties, Kellen Mond looked utterly unprepared to, to, to handle the blitz at all. That all comes down to preparation. And preparation is the utmost responsibility of the head coach. They didn't look prepared. They didn't look like they were wanted to play. They didn't look like ready, they were ready to play. So basically what I'm hearing... It was bad and it lost me money, and that's why I'm really upset. So what I'm hearing is the Jets found the new head coach. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I think I think Jimbo's ready to graduate onto the Jets job. But uh, oh, there's some other games in college football that were interesting. So people were telling me that the Iron Bowl was going to be was gonna be something. I said, yeah. Bo Nix is a, is a really, really not good quarterback. And uh, he did prove to be really, really not good. Outside of that... Pitt looked like Pitt, got trounced by Clemson. I don't think anyone expected anything 50, different. 52-17. Oh, it was brutal. Uh-huh. Um, shout out to my guy, Michael Kadick, getting the start, I think, for the fifth straight week at, uh, I think, left guard, at, at some guard position for the Indiana Hoosiers. Yes. Rolling right now. They are, I think, 5-1. and one. You should try to get him on the show. Absolutely. They win 27-11 over Maryland, run the, the H-E- Double hockey stage out of the football. It was beautiful to watch. It was a clinic to watch. Uh, They ran the football so well. 236 total yards running the football. uh, Ripping off five a carry. I know. It was uh, good to see, especially, like I said, knowing he's on the line there, moving bodies. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It it is cool to watch. And, uh, you know, wish him the best. Yeah, the unis were sweet. They had that camo, those camo uniforms there. That was cool to watch. Hopefully we can get him on the show pretty soon. That'd be cool. Uh, uh, we are going to get Josh Jones on the show pretty soon, though. That's probably going to be within the next week or so here. Yeah. Um, so, actually, even in the midst of football season, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball because he is a baseball player. That is his area of expertise, obviously, playing Division One baseball at Kent State, um, doing something right. So, that'll be cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been missing talking baseball, man. It's been a while. World Series ended a while ago. It so has been a while. It'll be good to brush back up on the baseball. Yeah. Um, Some other games, though. Notre Dame beats North Carolina 31-17. I didn't think Mac Brown uh, coached a particularly good game. I didn't think he got Sam Howell enough high-percentage throws. I think all these coaches now are going for uh, no risk it, no biscuit when 
I think, uh, I mean, look, you could get a balance between high percentage throws and, and deep throws, but I think it was all deep throws for North Carolina, and I didn't yeah. think that worked against a more talented Notre Dame team. You have to out-strategy them, and I thought Mac Brown could have, but he just didn't. Yeah, You know, he's been around the block enough. He should be able to, but he just didn't. He did, didn't get the job done. And then you have uh, this well, game here. What game? Kyle Trask looking amazing against Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, 34-10. He reminds me a little bit of a Joe Burrow, right? Kind of flew under the radar the past couple years. Been a very average quarterback. 21 for 27, three touchdowns. He's booming now. 256 yards. Uh, He's got the most touchdowns through, I mean, what's what's Florida's record now? Florida is 7-1. 7-1. He has the most touchdown passes through the first eight games of a season in uh, NCAA history. Yeah. So that's, that's... That's impressive. He's setting a pace that we've never seen before. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. you know, Joe Burrow did that for sure last year. He had one of the best single seasons of all time. <laughs> on, the, on the flip side of this game, though, do you want to know Terry Wilson's stats for Kentucky? Oh. Do you want to know against the Florida defense? It was pretty bad. 10 for 18, 62 yards, one touchdown, two picks, 80 QBR. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Joey Gatewood should probably get in there. Then again, he had a negative 200 QBR because he threw a pick on his only pass. But you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, Kentucky's just not that not that solid. They're no. a basketball school, you know. Absolutely, not gonna lie. But that's actually about it for for college football. But just want to touch on a couple of those. Guys. Actually, I do oh. want to tell a funny story from college football this weekend, right? So Nebraska's playing uh, Iowa. Who? Let's go up to Nebraska. They've been a utter disappointment. Um, Let's see here. Nebraska's one and four now uh, with Scott Frost. Scott Frost is supposed to be a really good coach. Not really getting it done, and I think the frustration is mounting. And they had some trouble with snaps this week, right? Um, and with in a quiet stadium, I think you're looking for advantages. And he said that Iowa players were clapping on the sidelines because that's the the snap count that Nebraska uses. The quarterback does one of those, you know, claps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was just something silly to say. That was yeah. just simply something. And uh, the 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 head coach, I think Mike Ferentz or something like that, uh, for Iowa was asked about it, and he responded, "Well, you think the color of my pants was an issue today too, or something? Something funny? It was just hilarious. If you guys get a chance to do it, just just Google Iowa coach press conference, or just go on Fox Sports and uh, click it. They probably have the link to his post game press conference on there. I'm gonna click on it now, see if they do. We should throw the link up on uh, on, our on Twitter, Twitter or something. Twitter, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was." So funny! It was hilarious, and um, he's right. Like, what do we? He goes. He goes. At one point, he goes. Uh, what, are we, what are we talking about? You know, what, what are we talking about here? And I think he's right. It was just. It was comical. So it was kind of a funny thing. Uh, just go check it out. Maybe. Yeah, we'll definitely probably post that actually because it was it was hilarious, and I actually want to watch it again. So <laughs> throw it up on Twitter. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for sticking around. Uh, that just about does it for today's episode. Really long Fantastic episode. Fantastic in person, and now they're all going to be in person for probably about a month here. Yeah, probably Maybe even yeah, more. A so. month or longer. So, um, guys, thanks for listening. Go to our Instagram at the underscore issue podcast and our Twitter at the issue podcast. We'll be throwing up that uh, Iowa coaches press conference. So make sure you go and watch, like, comment, and follow. And uh, that was the issue. <laughs>